ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. It is a truth universally acknowledged that it is always the right time to read, talk, and think about Pride and Prejudice. But why is it this book that we universally acknowledge? Why has Pride and Prejudice lasted for over two centuries as the most famous romance novel of all time? This season of Hot and Bothered, award-winning journalist Lauren Sandler and me, Vanessa Zoltan, are looking closely at Pride and Prejudice, interviewing experts and trying to figure out what this book has taught generations of readers about love. Listen to Hot and Bothered wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. Hello, and welcome to the RadioTimes.com Doctor Who podcast Christmas special. That's why I was doing the sleigh bells. I could have probably just licensed some free-to-use sleigh bell music, but I couldn't be bothered to lock online. Uh, my name's Hugh. My name's Morgan. And this week, appropriate for the day on which this podcast is first being released, uh, we are looking at the very best Doctor Who festive special. Now, you might think, how could they possibly decide? And the truth is, we didn't. You did. Yeah, we got, uh, we got our readers on RadioTimes.com to vote for their favourite festive episode of Doctor Who. Uh, and 6,000 people voted, and we have our results. So just to be clear, um, we had some very strict rules on this. Uh, the episode had to air on or around the festive kind of period, so Christmas and New Year, that sort of area. It also had to, in some way, theme to Christmas or New Year. The episode either had to be set on one of those days, or it had to kind of suggest it. So, for example... Um, Spyfall, last year's New Year's episode of Doctor Who, didn't count because that was the first episode of the series. It wasn't special and it wasn't particularly set on New Year's Day. Uh, similarly, The Unquiet Dead, which is Christopher Eccleston uh, episode, which is set on Christmas Day, aired in the spring, I think, and isn't a Christmas special. So that one also mm. didn't count. Um, so, yeah, basically it meant we ran all the Christmas specials plus uh, Resolution, I have a 2019 New Year's special, and then The Feast of Stephen from 1965, uh, which is the William Hartnell kind of Christmas special. And we had a winner. I mean, Morgan, do you want to do the honours? Do you want to, do you want to announce which is fans' sure. favourite? Dr- drum, drum roll, roll. please. Uh, so, um, and I believe this episode previously won a, a similar uh, RadioTimes.com poll a few years back. The winner is, you have crowned as your favourite Doctor Who festive special, A Christmas Carol from dun, dun, 2010. Dun. Yes, as Morgan said, uh, A Christmas Carol won uh, when we ran this poll in 2018, uh, and it won pretty handily this time. I will say the poll was pretty close. Uh, we had a lot of, mm. uh, especially at the top, quite a, quite a close run, but this one was kind of winning all the way through. And it's quite interesting because it's an episode that I feel like fans sometimes uh, don't like. I think it's one of the ones that kind of, among what I'd call the Twitterati of Doctor Who fans, it gets a bit <laughs> of a bad rap, but mm. consistently... When you ask people to name a Doctor Who episode they really like, or a Doctor Who Festival special world they really like, they go for A Christmas Carol. Um, and we're going to kind of delve into why we think that is and that episode a little bit in a minute. But first, uh, we're just going to run through the rest of the list uh, and see what didn't win uh, and what didn't do well. So we've got 15 things. Uh, Morgan, do you want to go for the, the first one there? At number 15. So, so, so at number 15, coming in, in last place, and I, I think this is unfair, is... 
the return of Doctor Mysterio, the the Christmas Day special from 2016, which got just one percent of the vote. I do think that's quite bad. I I I, we, I did really enjoy that episode when it came out. I think it's very fun. The weird thing about it is that you it almost feels like it's a non-canonical episode of Doctor Who, mm. in that it basically in no way impacts on the plot of any previous episode or any episode afterwards. And it doesn't, it sort of introduces a load of characters who then just disappear. Although it is kind of the first beginning of the kind of Nardole era of um, Doctor Who, because this was filmed in the middle of the Pearl Mackey kind of Nardole uh, trifecta with Peter Capaldi. And um, so Nardole's kind of just turning up here. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's also, that was also a year where we didn't have any Doctor Who, wasn't it? Um, mm. So that was kind of coming at the end of it. Maybe we maybe we were a bit hyped because that was all we had that year. <laughs> maybe, but I don't know. Like, I, I remember enjoying that episode, and I did. I was I had a little um, trepidation around that episode. I was like, Doctor Who does superheroes. This could be a disaster. And again, maybe maybe I went into it with uh, low expectations. But I, I thought I think people possibly now misremember that episode and, and think it's worse than it is because of that whole central idea of Doctor Who doing superheroes. They go, oh, the superhero episode. But actually, I thought it pulled it off pretty well. I thought it was, um, I thought it was quite quite fun, quite funny, uh, quite romantic. I think you don't want every episode of Doctor Who to be like that. But as a one-off on Christmas Day, I thought it worked. I, I feel like last place is harsh for Doctor Mysterio. That said, something does have to come last. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. they, I mean, we'll talk about what we think should have come last later. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's Doctor Mysterio in last place. Uh, just above it, at number 14, we have The Doctor, The Widow and The Wardrobe, which was Matt Smith's second uh, Doctor Who Christmas special, which had 2% of the vote. It's quite a fall uh, between his first and second year. Um, and I would say though, like, I feel like this is an episode that isn't beloved. Mm. You know, I think it is, I mean, it's a very interesting idea. I think it's kind of similarly, we'll talk about a Christmas Carol kind of does something quite clever with the Doctor, kind of making him, kind of retelling this classic Christmas story with a Doctor Who twist. And I think maybe they tried to do something similar with the Doctor, the Widow and the Wardrobe, obviously kind of referring to the line, the witch in the wardrobe, but it doesn't quite come off. I mean, what do you think, Morgan? Yeah, no, referring back to what you were just saying about which which specials should have come last. Um, for, for me, it is this one. I'm not, I'm not particularly keen on it. I don't think it's a particularly memorable special. I also think it's a def- difficult balance to strike, especially with these Christmas specials, being sort of good-natured and sweet without uh, crossing the lines being saccharine. And I mm-hmm. think this episode does, does um, cross that line. Um, I'll never forgive it for the phrase, humany woomany. <laughs> um, for introducing that into the Doctor Who lexicon, um, it does. No, you know, no episode of Doctor Who is entirely without merit. I don't think, and and this episode does have its moments. So there's the really sweet final scene um, in this where the Doctor shows off on Amy and Rory's doorstep for Christmas. Um, I re- I really like that moment because apart from that that brief sequence, Amy and Rory don't feature in this episode, which I think is another point uh, that counts against it. So yeah, not not one of my favourites. A, a bit naff that one, in my opinion. It was a light filming week for uh, Karen Gillan and Arthur Darling. <laughs> I do actually, because um, I feel like Christmas Carol was fairly light on the companions as well, wasn't it? Um, it because because they kind of they were off on the ship just being ghosts and stuff. Mm. But they, they they do they do play an important part. But um, they do play a part. It's not just that they're at home, <laughs> which is the case of uh, of Doctor Widow in the wardrobe. I do think it's a shame because it has a great guest cast like Bill Bailey's in that one, and they have. Um, Gosh, Claire Skinner from Outnumbered. Arabella Weir and Alexander Armstrong. But I, I don't think it makes the most of them. I think Bill Bailey in particular. Bill Bailey and Doctor Who, fantastic. And he's he's got a bit part, essentially. He's, he's wasted 
Yeah, um, definitely. Um, all right, just above that, at number 13, we have, now I think this is an outrage. Uh, at number 13, the next doctor with 3%. I think this is the lowest rated uh, David Tennant uh, special on our list by some margin. Mm. And I think, I really like this episode. I think this one's really good fun. I, I quite like it too, but I do think that's a divisive one. I think fans either either like it or loathe it, that one. Um, I do think it's a mixed bag. Um, having said, I, you know, I think, I, I think uh, there's a reason the Cyber Shades haven't made a comeback. <laughs> well, that's um, true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I know that, that I, I like the, the, the big ridiculous climax with the gigantic Cyber King. I think it's fun, but I know a lot of people don't like it. Um, but See, I think... For me, I just don't remember any of that stuff. I can't, like, I'm aware that happened, but for me, it's all like... I just think of David Morrissey in that great coat and the two doctors <laughs> running around Victorian England. Like, I just think and, that's such a fun idea and it's such and a nice aesthetic. Yeah, no, and David Morrissey is great in it as well. Like he's re he's really good. Um, and the the whole idea behind his character Jackson Lake, and he's got this sort of is it the mental fugue, and it, mm. it's quite a sort of it brings a sort of I think it works in the Christmas specials when to offset some of that you know that festivity and that jollity and that what can be quite saccharine. You have a slightly sort of dark darker twist to it, and you have that in this that this is a guy who essentially lost his family, and so he's got this mental block, and he's essentially lost his mind and thinks he's the doctor so and I think he's fantastic in that that reveal scene and you've got um is it Miss Hartigan the, vil the villainess mm. um fantastic uh character as well so yeah no I think I think 13th is harsh unlucky for some unlucky for the next doctor definitely uh that had three percent of the vote and um, the next one in our list um at number 12 so just higher also had three percent of the vote it was only four votes in it, very close between those two. And it's also a Victorian Doctor Who Christmas special. It's The Snowmen, uh, which is not Ali Jones turns evil, unfortunately. That'd be a great episode. Uh, it was the basically the, the sort of introduction of Jenna Coleman, but kind of the second one before Jenna Coleman properly came in. Because Jenna Coleman <laughs> was sort of in it a bit and then not in it a, bit yeah. a few times. Um, and this is obviously the Doctor being all grumpy, again, in Victorian England. And... I'm trying to remember, it was The Great Intelligence, wasn't it? They had Ian McKellen voicing The Great Intelligence and they had a bit mm. of a Sherlock riff and they had evil snowmen that would eat people. And I don't really remember the plot of this. I remember there was a kind of icy Mary Poppins at some point. <laughs> but, but this is it, this is it. I don't think that's a bad episode, but I also think it's not, it's not top tier, is it? It's it's mm. it's one of the less memorable ones. Like like we sort of scrub. What was that one? Oh yeah, it was the the, the snowman that popped up and ate people and Ian McKellen. You sort of remember like moments, but it doesn't it doesn't linger long in the memory. The snowman again. I think it's got some really nice um, parts to it. There's the scene with um, Victorian Clara, the barmaid, going up mm. the spiral staircase and then yes. finding the TARDIS floating on a cloud. And then you have the reveal of of the latest TARDIS interior. I think all that stuff's really nice. Um, it's, it's, it's a solid episode. I just don't think it, it ranks up there with the, the very best festive specials. I think you're right. I think you're, I think you're right. I've forgotten that imagery of her going on the cloud. That is a really nice moment. And the Michael Pickwell TARDIS is so mm. nice. Like, it's definitely my favourite of the modern series. It's nice. Although it got better, um, I do think it's still such a great kind of unveiling. Yeah. Um, so just above the snowmen at number 11, we have our first Peter Capaldi entry of the list uh, with 5% of the vote. It's Last Christmas. I don't know what you think about this, Morgan, because we weren't working together when this came out, but I remember at Radio Times Towers, we were very pro Last Christmas. We thought it was really good. I, I love Last Christmas. I think it's one of the best. Um, mm. and, I, and it came as well off, off um, the back of Series 8, which was a bit more divisive. I think the reaction to that, at the time at least, was a bit more sort of lukewarm. People weren't, weren't quite sure about how they felt about all of it. And then Last Christmas, I thought, really nailed it. 
it's this sort of brilliant alien meets inception fusion with Nick, Flo Nick Frost as Santa Claus. I mean, what a, <laughs> what, what, what a combination that is. Um, and I think it kind of, it starts to develop um, Peter Capaldi's Doctor in really interesting ways as well. Like we see some more of the kind of the more genial side of him start to come out as well. It's got a really strong guest cast, Nick Frost, as I said, Faye Marseille as, uh, as, as the companion who wasn't, but yeah. very nearly was. Um, yeah, no, I, I really like Last Christmas. I think it's, again, maybe it plays slightly more to my tastes in that it is, it does have the kind of the Christmas frivolity, but it also has a, a slightly darker side to it as well. Um, although I think it would have been stronger, possibly better remembered if it had ended as originally intended with, with Clara's exit. I was going to say, because basically, that, for anyone who doesn't know, that was supposed to be the episode Jenna Coleman left the series. Instead, she decided to stay on an extra year um, because Peter Capaldi and Stephen Moffat begged her to. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, basically, the they, they basically did have it pretty much as it was in the episode, except mm. at the end, it wasn't another dream and Clara was basically fine. <laughs> I think was the difference. I think the original plan was that she would, because the Doctor goes and visits her and she's old, and in the final episode, that's revealed to be another dream. But in the original intention, in the original script, it would have been that Clara really was old, and then she passed away, and then it cuts, apparently, having funny that we just referenced it, to a shot of her going up the spiral staircase. Ah. And that's how, a little reference back, and that's how that episode was going to end, which I think... Would have been really sort of beautiful, but also maybe a bit of a downer for Christmas Day. Yeah, and there were some really great episodes with her after that, so it's hard to kind of begrudge yeah. them it. Um, I did also, one thing I do always remember about that episode, which I really liked, was there's that bit where um, he helps the old Clara, like, pull a cracker, which is something mm. she does for Matt Smith's Doctor in The Time of the Doctor, which I think, which yeah. we'll get to in a minute, which I think, I thought that was a nice little bit. Um, the thing I always remember about this episode is that, like, I was like, this is just like a Doctor Who episode. It wasn't, like, really corny and cheesy. It was quite scary, like there was yeah. a bit where like, you know, there's loads of advancing squid monsters and it's very like, you know, quite confusing, not in a bad way, but you had to think quite hard about what was going on. There were a lot of twists. It kind of felt to me like Stephen Moffat trying to do his usual Doctor Who thing with a Christmas spin rather than trying to tell a Christmas story that didn't really matter, mm. if that makes sense. Mm. Um, but the one thing it has carrying against it, unfortunately for me, which is uh, irrecoverable, is that it has Danny Pink in it. And Danny Pink is rubbish. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, I quite like the way in which he, he featured, I'd forgotten actually that he's in it. And I quite like the way in which they bring him into it. Um, I feel like it gave him a bit more of a, um, a, a you know, a solid send off than how he, how he ends up, you know, his fate in series eight, which I wasn't so much a fan of. Yeah, still. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was last Christmas at number 11. That had 5% of the vote. Also with 5% of the vote, but a bit of a wider gap. There's about 40 votes between uh is we just talked about it actually the time of the doctor uh so that was the 2013 special it was matt smith's exit it kind of followed the day of the doctor and it's a funny one this isn't it because it there's some it's one of those episodes where there's loads of really great bits um mm. but also just lots of very strange kind of baggy bits it's kind of matt smith doing a, like an evening with matt smith is that like <laughs> he's come out and sat on a stool and he's just telling you tales and you're sort of enjoying yeah. it because of his charisma and you, you know he could he's kind of doing his lap of honor essentially but I'm not really sure what the story is. The story is the Doctor hangs out in some town for a thousand years um, and I think, fights I think, off a wooden side man at one point. Yeah, I think putting this one above Last Christmas is, again, an outrage. Um, <laughs> it, no, I 100% agree. It's got some nice moments. I mean, the, the, the final regeneration scene, um, I, I, I really like. I think Matt nails that. And also, I know the sneeze regeneration gets a bit of stick. Um, 
but I really like that because it's kind of it's playing against expectation in that you know you have David Tennant to Matt Smith so like bombastic the regeneration you just moments before have had Matt, of Matt doing his kind of the 11th Doctor doing the this the biggest most ridiculous sort of faux regeneration of all time where he's shooting um, regeneration energy all around the place and spinning his arms so I like that it's so kind of sudden and shocking when he turns into into Peter Capaldi. I don't know what um, else you do with that at that point because it's like you've gone big. It's kind of like the only thing yeah. to, do, to be interesting is to go small. And I actually thought when Peter Capaldi actually regenerated into Jodie Whittaker, it was a bit of a letdown, but it was just kind of like, again, it was kind of Eccleston's tenant kind of levels of like, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, it was like um, tenant to Smith, but just not as big. Yeah. So that's a, that's a bit underwhelming. Whereas, whereas I, that's why I like the sneeze regeneration. But yeah, no, I, I totally agree. There's lots of interesting moments and fun ideas in Time of the Doctor, but almost too much. It's a little, it is a little baggy. It feels a little overstuffed. Um, not, not my favourite. And I love the Eleventh Doctor era. And for me, I remember at the time feeling like it was, I didn't quite cap it off in the way I wanted. I would say I rewatched it a year or two ago. I can't remember why. And I, it, I, I, it was more f fun than I remembered it being at the time. I think maybe with, with kind of a bit of distance, I had less of an expectation of it. So yeah. maybe that's one that's worth revisiting. Maybe not. Um, at number nine, uh, we have at 6%, The Runaway Bride, which is interesting because this is an episode that I think is very popular and I would yeah. have expected it to be a bit higher in the list. We are in the top 10 now, as of the time of the Doctor, so it is in the top 10, but there's only 15, and we're kind of pushing it um, for what is, um, you know, what, what, what is a special anyway. But yeah, The Runaway Bride, obviously Catherine Tate's uh, kind of big entry into Doctor Who, it was kind of, I'd say the peak, almost. I mean, I think we came slightly a year afterwards with The Voyage of the Dan, but it's kind of in the peak of the sort of Beatlemania, tenant mania sort of period of Doctor Who. Um, yeah. I don't know, what, what, do you, what do you think of its positioning, Morgan? I, I, yeah, I agree with you. I'm surprised because I think generally it's quite popular. So I was surprised to not see it do better. For me, it's about in the right place. Right. I, I think, I think it's a, it's a fun episode. Again, I sound like a broken record, but it has some fun moments. The, um, the sort of car chase with the TARDIS uh, is, is great. Um, I, I do think the character of Donna feels a lot more human and real in, in, when she returns in series four. Which is fair enough because they make a, they know she's a regular character, a main cast member. They make more of an effort to kind of flesh her out and give her um, more depth. I feel like in this, she's a little too one note for me, which I know is controversial. I know fans love Donna, but I feel like in this, she's there to serve up this purpose, right? But I just feel like she's a bit, a bit one note. Um, and that kind of, that dynamic between her and the 10th Doctor, which is fun at first, it gets, it does get a little old, I think, towards the end. Um, I, I agree with you. I mean, I, 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 with with all of these, I've tried to sort of think back to what I thought the first time I watched it, quite often, which was just for fun, you know, before I was doing this. And I remember I found her really annoying <laughs> in The Runaway Bride. And I was, yeah. and like, people forget this, but at the time, I think quite a few fans were slightly horrified at the idea of her coming in as a full-time companion because they were like, God, she was, like, just so shouty. But, um, like you said, <laughs> yeah. Donna was so good in Series 4. I think because, like you said, they kind of let Catherine Tate play a character and didn't make Catherine Tate be a sketch character. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. No, there, exactly. is a, there is a lot of fun in this episode. And I think, you know, there's, there's, there's some stuff I really enjoy. Like Batard is kind of flying around with the cars and, you know, yeah. the more um, Father Christmas, uh, you know, attacks. I mean, that's kind of a running theme anyway. But um, yeah, I, I think actually, yeah, like you say, it's probably not ridiculous uh, that this is where it is. Um, okay, just above, unless you had anything else to add? No, I'm all, I'm all good. Just Move above on. at number eight. 
with 7%, so just ahead of the Runaway Bride, we have Twice Upon a Time. Uh, so this is obviously Peter Capaldi's last uh, Christmas special, uh, the last Christmas special, possibly, um, mm. because Doctor Who does New Year's specials now, um, and it was Peter Capaldi's exit story, and we had David Bradley as the first Doctor. I remember when this was kind of first coming out, it was super exciting that they had David Bradley as the first Doctor. It's kind of mad now, we're just like, oh yeah, that happens, you know, whatever. Um, but it's kind of a funny episode, because I remember the first time I watched it, I was really thought it was really nice and really sweet and stuff. When you watch it again, knowing what the kind of denouement is, you're a bit like, this is a bit pointless, isn't it? <laughs> like, there's not really much of a story. It's kind of, because they, the story is that they wanted, they were going to, again, it's a sort of story of Stephen Moffat, uh, Peter Capaldi Christmas specials. They had a different thing planned where uh, the, the Doctor Falls was going to be Peter Capaldi's last episode. But then um, Chris Chibnall and Jodie Whittaker didn't want to start on Christmas Day and Stephen Moffat didn't want to make them lose the slot which they didn't, didn't use anyway. <laughs> um, so he basically um, decided to do one extra special. So basically, uh, in the midst of regenerating, the Doctor gets up, walks around World War One a little bit, meets a couple of people, and then goes and regenerates. And that's the story. Yeah. No, absolutely. Twice upon, I've always said Twice Upon a Time is an episode that doesn't need to exist yeah. at all. Having said that, I'm glad it does. I quite, mm. I quite like it. Like, yeah, the story is slight, because, as you say, Stephen Moffat essentially has to fit in like an hour of drama between Peter Capaldi starting to regenerate and Peter Capaldi finishing regenerating. Um, and he'd already written, Stephen Moffat had already sort of done everything he wanted to do with, with, um, with the Doctor Falls. But I think as a sort of touching postscript, as an epilogue, I, I, quite, I quite like it. And it does, you know, there's, there's something um, in the that doctor the 12th doctor going out with a bang as he does kind of quite a violent exit in in the doctor falls but i also like that we get this opportunity for him to kind of be a bit more um nostalgic and and also forward looking and kind of consider his his you know the 12th doctor was always wrestling with his place in the universe and i i quite like that you get a kind of um as i say a slightly more um low-key epilogue and exit for the 12th doctor where he gets to kind of um, really come to terms with himself and, and going on and then sort of handing over to the next Doctor. So I, I like this one, I think, and I think David Bradley um, is fantastic. And I know there's a little bit of um, controversy about how the first Doctor is, is portrayed. The, kind of the, the joke is that he's kind of, he's literally like a, like a man from the 1960s, um, yeah. which is maybe not quite in line with how the first Doctor was portrayed or fans' idea of the first Doctor. But I think David Bradley's performance is great. Um, Mark Gatiss, I think, is is is, is um, turns you know gives a, a fun turn in this as well. Um, I like Twice Upon a Time. There you go, said it. Yeah, I I think as well. You know, we shouldn't forget like Pearl Mackey's in the episode, um, who's an yep. addition that was a bit later on because they realised how popular she was, so they kind of added her in. You have Mark Gatiss, which is kind of nice considering how closely he was involved. It's kind of just a nice, like we said, little victory lap for Peter yeah, Capaldi. Exactly. And and I love how like you know, within that, to make it more interesting, they have things like The First Doctor and they have that archive footage at the beginning, previously on Doctor Who, you know, several hundred episodes ago, all that stuff. I think that's really fun. There's a lot of fun stuff yeah. in it. Um, so the next on the list is Voyage of the Damned, uh, which had 468 votes in the poll, 8%. It almost tied with um, the next one on the list. They were very, very close, um, but this one was slightly ahead. So, uh, slightly behind, rather. So, yeah, Voyage of the Damned is um, obviously the, I want to say, 2007 uh, Doctor Who Christmas special. It was David Tennant and Kylie Minogue. This was really the height of it. This was, I think, the yeah. highest rated Doctor Who 
episode ever. Ever. And and I think still is. I'm not sure. Um, or it's. I think it just about still is. Um, and it was a massive one. It's very looked very expensive. It was basically space Titanic crashes. The Doctor kind of has to do a Poseidon adventure type thing with a bunch of uh, passengers. And yeah, I mean, I again, it's one of those ones where at the time I was kind of I wasn't massively into it. It, it was like fine. I think I just sort of the sort of weird kind of aliens and the people who were humans but weren't humans i sort of found it slightly hard to connect to mm. all the kind of people who i didn't know and you know the fact that it wasn't very about humanity i found sort of difficult at the time i think this is me very much riffing i hadn't really planned that to say about but um yeah i do think it's a really fun episode and kind of david tennant's great in it it's definitely a highlight and i think he looks really nice in that little tux he wears so um i don't know what do, what do, what do, what, what do you think Morgan? i do think it's it it's saying something if the best thing you could say about this episode is David Tennant looks great in the tux which he does but um yeah no I I think this one's generally is I think it's quite popular isn't it but like again I think it's kind of mid-level this one for me like it is it is like the peak in many ways of that era of Doctor Who and I think again something that could have gone very wrong which is casting Kylie Minogue which sounds like an absolutely crazy idea actually um she's I think she's you know quite good in it like it gives it gives a decent um performance as, as astrid um what, what i one thing i remember about this episode and watching it at the time was that this episode builds and builds to like a big reveal as to who's the mastermind behind it all and i think i you know again this is a victim of expectation i think i was expecting some big reveal like it's it was just or something. it was just some guy <laughs> and it was just and it was just ah oh, it's me max capricorn remember they sort of referenced me earlier and i was like oh okay and it was just this guy this guy a head on a box on wheels and i was just like oh okay so you know it's fine that one um but not one of my favorites i do think um it was supposed to be i might be wrong about this but i think it was supposed to be um quite it was supposed to be um dennis hopper was supposed yeah, to yeah. be max so i think maybe yeah. it would have been more of a, a reveal but it's dennis That's hopper it. It doesn't but, matter who the character. It doesn't matter who the character is if it go, and yeah, and the mastermind behind it all is me, Dennis Hopper, and then you'd be like, oh wow. But as it is, the actor who does it is perfectly fine. But it's not. It doesn't have that kind of wow factor of they've got Dennis Hopper and Doctor Who, which Dennis Hopper and Kylie would have been incredible. But, yeah, I do think weirdly. I mean, it was never going to happen because it's Kylie Minogue. I do think Astrid. Um, was a great character. Although I did think, yeah. I was always, at the time, I was thinking, I'm not sure if she'd work as a companion because she'd be like, oh, let's go to the history of Stowe. You know, oh, is all this historic, like, which, like, we can't connect with that at all. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's always yeah. people from Earth who've adopted, oh, it's Queen Victoria. And he goes, oh, yeah, Astrid, I'm taking you to meet Grand Admiral Blarg. And he's like, oh, my God, we have him on all the Blarg notes. <laughs> yeah. No, well, th this is the thing. Like, I, Doctor Who, again, sometimes fans criticise the fact that we've had a lot almost entirely um, all the companions have been human and sort of contemporary humans as well. But I think, I think it makes sense for them serving as audience identification figures because if they're aliens or even figures from Earth's history, you don't have that same level of um, the Doctor, as you say, the Doctor taking them to see pivotal moments in history and they having the same reaction to it that we would have. Definitely. Um, so just above Voyage of the Damned, we're up to number six now in the countdown. Uh, it also is at 8%. These two had about um, eight votes between them, so pretty close. We have at number six, The Husbands of River Song. So this was Peter Capaldi's uh, penultimate, no, trialtimate, <laughs> second, I think, Christmas special. Um, it it's was the penultimate, yeah. Yes, uh, it was um, Alex Kingston's, as of yet, 
last appearance as River Song. It kind of capped off the um, River Song story uh, on Doctor Who. Um, and it's very popular, clearly. I didn't mm. massively rate it, um, at the, certainly not at the time. Um, I do think there's some fun stuff in it. Again, a little like Catherine Tate, Matt Lucas in this episode is very annoying and he gets less <laughs> annoying um, when yeah. he comes back as a full-time companion. Um, I think Alex Kingston's running that. And I actually think Peter Capaldi and Alex Kingston, watching them, you're like, God, they really should have done this earlier and for like more, because they're a really yeah. great duo. And all of a sudden they're kind of the right age <laughs> for each other, which is kind of, yeah. which is kind of nice. I think, uh, no, I think you're spot on there. It's, for me, it's like, it's mid-level. It's okay. Mm. I think it's one to enjoy after a few sherries. Don't, don't take this one too seriously. Um, it is a bit broad for my taste. As you say, Matt Lucas tones it down quite considerably um, in terms of how broad he is in, when he becomes a full-time companion. And then you've got you know, Greg Davies as King Hydroflax, quite a, um, quite a broad villain as well. I, but I think the reason fans, no, no one's going, I love... No offense to Greg Davies, but no one's saying I love Husbands of River Song because of Hydroflax. He was my favorite. <laughs> Do you know what I mean it's the pe the reason people love it is because of Peter Capaldi and Alex Kingston and the fantastic chemistry they have. Um, and I think you know that as much as this is this one isn't my favorite, the final scene on Derillium is really sweet and nicely done. It's a nice cap to um, to the River Song era. So I think I think that's why I think people are more. I think a vote for this episode is more a vote for that that scene and that relationship rather than rather than the episode as a whole. I think you're right. And I, I do think they did well to kind of retroactively fit this within all the Doctor Who continuity that it would make sense that this was when he saw it. Because I think technically River has two more episodes after this in that she is in an episode with David Tennant and then she's in an episode with, um, what's it called? Uh, Matt Smith, uh, the name of the Doctor. So uh, yes. yeah, so, so it, all, it all adds up. Uh, okay, so just above that, uh, above the Husbands of River Song, also at eight percent, number five in the top five now, uh, but with slightly more votes, a bit more of a gap in votes. We have Resolution. So this is um, Jodie Whittaker's, obviously the only Jodie Whittaker entry on this list because we haven't seen Revolution of the Daleks yet, and Spyfall doesn't count. Resolution is the New Year's uh, special from 2019, uh, not the first Doctor Who New Year's special because we had the End of Time uh, Part Two before, which was kind of part part New Year, part Christmas. Um, but yeah, obviously we've talked about this episode quite a lot, so there's not too much to say. Um, it's them taking on a Dalek. We talked about it uh, last week, in fact. But um, kind of interesting to see this one so high because, you know, we were saying last week that it wasn't always one that people talked about. But I think, I mean, obviously I'm sure it's a lot of people kind of wanting to show support for Jodie and stuff, and she is mm. the current Doctor, so that's always going to give her a bit of an advantage. But yeah, it's nice to see it as high as it is. Well, I, as we said last time, I think it's a great episode. I think... The new, watching it back, the New Year stuff is a bit tagged on. It, you know, I think calling it a festive special is a bit of a stretch. There's just like these these odd moments where the Doctor goes, "This is my resolution," and oh, you know, and all that kind of thing. And and I think I think you're right in that if there had been more um, Jodie Whittaker episodes in this list that, that fans could vote for, maybe the the vote would have been slightly more split. I think a vote for because as it stands, a vote for resolution is a vote for Jodie's Doctor. Um, but I do really like this episode. I think. Festive special, bit of a stretch, but if you just want an hour-long Doctor Who Dalek blockbuster, I think it fits the bill. It's definitely set in New Year. <laughs> you can't <laughs> it say is. it's not set. In it doesn't really doesn't really, isn't really important to the story in any way, but it, it is set yeah. on New Year's Day for some reason. Um, yeah, so just above a resolution at number four uh, with ten percent of the vote, uh, it's quite interesting. The Feast of Stephen. So this is the William Hartnell yeah. kind of episode. So I'm interested to see the people who voted for this because you can't watch this episode. <laughs> um, we included it for completionist's sake uh, and it's a lot better this year than it did 
uh, when we included it in 2018. I think maybe a lot of people were voting for it because it's kind of a sort of fun out there choice and also because, you know, trying to show a bit of support for William Hartnell. Maybe they feel like after mm. the Timeless Child, you know, we need to, you know, show our support for the first Doctor. Who knows? Um, I, but yeah, I, I, don't, I, I don't know what you think. I suspect that's the case. I, you know, I love the first Doctor. I love the Hartnell era. But The Feast of Stephen is not a particularly good episode of Doctor Who. <laughs> like, it's, uh, and I mean, I've not seen, obviously I've not seen it, I'm not that old, but I've, I've um, there's the, you can listen to the soundtrack and you can watch reconstructions and things like that. And it's a bit of a, bit of a mess. Um, sort of Doctor Who meets uh, light entertainment variety show. Um, but I think you're right. I think j just as a vote for resolution was a vote for Jodie, I think a vote for the Feast of Stephen is a vote for the First Doctor, and also a vote for the classic series in general. If you're a fan of classic Who, you might have voted for the Feast of Stephen because this is its only representation in this list. Um, so, so maybe that plays into it too. Definitely, and it's the first uh, and for a long time the only Doctor Who Christmas special that um, the show had. So, you know, it definitely deserves a bit of bit of respect uh, for, for that alone. Um, but now we're into our top three. Um, and it was pretty close here. Um, this next one was only a little bit ahead of the Feast of Stephen, actually. And number three, we have the Christmas Invasion, which had 10%. So this is kind of, if you don't count the Feast of Stephen, the first proper Doctor Who Christmas special, David Tennant's big entry. I mean, not, I'm not surprised to see this here. You know, I was talking about this uh, with Helen on a previous podcast about introductory episodes, which a lot of which happened to be Christmas specials. And um, yeah, Christmas Invasion, it's really fun, isn't it? It's good. <laughs> solid, solid, yeah. that one. Um, yeah, no, really good. Uh, I think as well, it has the benefit, or at least had the benefit at the time, of being the first of its kind. Mm. At least in, obviously, there was Feast of Stephen, but in the modern series, it's the first of the modern Doctor Who Christmas specials. So we weren't bored yet of, of robot Santas and killer Christmas trees and that stuff that became almost a, a little bit of a, you know, it strayed into almost self-parody a little bit with the later Doctor Who Christmas specials. It's the first time you've done it. So it's a fun, it's a good Christmas special, but also... Um, you know, it's got that all that feel good, uh, that feel good element to it. But also, it works as a great introductory episode for the Tenth Doctor. Um, and and Tennant isn't in it much, of course. Yeah, he doesn't really come into his own until the the final act. But he's sort of instantly brilliant and just commands the screen when he does finally appear. Um, but him not being him not looming large also allows Billy Piper to essentially lead the episode um, for much of its much of its runtime. And I think. Have it, you know, given how good she was in the first series, I also think it's it's quite a nice balance to introduce the new Doctor, but also let Billy lead mm. um, Christmas Invasion. And you don't, you almost don't miss the Doctor because she's so good as Rose. It definitely helps ease you into it as well because obviously we forget now that David Tennant was new. Everyone was probably a little like, oh, where's Christopher Eccleston? You know, like you kind of foregrounding Rose so much gives us what we know, and then her reaction to the Doctor, her gradual realization that this is the Doctor, kind of echoes ours. And I think. Mm you know, that moment where he finally emerges from the TARDIS very near the end of the episode. It's just so good. And it's so confidently done that by the end, you're like, yeah, woo, I'm excited by, you know, this new Doctor. I think it's done really well. And like you say as well, the fact that it was the first one means you can do all the stuff like, oh, evil Christmas tree or oh, tangerines and stuff. Like you can kind of, you know, you get, you do it that first time and then it becomes harder. Like every show, I think, most shows don't do as many Christmas specials as Doctor Who has done. It's rare for any show to do this many Christmas specials. Call the Midwife's done them, obviously, but... Um, I think other shows and a lot of sitcoms in America or something will do one Christmas special and then not bother again because you mm. kind of, once you've done it, it's like, how do you keep doing it? Um, so I think, yeah, you see, this one has the benefit of being fresh. Um, so we're into our final two now. We obviously know what won. So by process of elimination, everyone listening will probably have worked out that number two uh, with 11% of the vote, uh, only nine votes ahead of the Christmas invasion there, was uh, The End of Time, parts one and two. We 
jumbled those together because it seemed unfair. So this is David Tennant's final episode. Uh, this was, you know, again, kind of in the sort of big peak era of Doctor Who. Huge episode. I remember, you know, the fact they had it on Christmas Day and on New Year's Day, and they were very kind of mm. quite sad episodes, quite sort of grand episodes, you know. Um, you know, lots of guest cast. You brought back all the companions for a kind of little bit at the end. It's the last time we saw John Barrowman in Doctor Who prior to this year, uh, mm. which is kind of mad to think about. Um, and yeah, end of time, big episode. I mean, we'll, 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 how does that one stand up for you, Morgan? I, lo- I like it, and I think it does sometimes now retrospectively. I think everyone loved it at the time because it was, mm. the again, putting a cap on the Tenant era, which had been hugely popular. I think now it sometimes gets a little bit of stick for being a bit of a mess. Like, there's a lot going on. It's a little bit jumbled. Um, you know, is it a case of um, over-egging the pudding? But to me, it's a bit of a glorious mess. Like, okay, it's maybe not the most cohesive Doctor Who episode. It's a bit, um, it's a bit you know, OTT and extravagant. But if you can't be OTT and extravagant when closing the Russell T Davies, David Tennant, you know, Julie Gardner era of Doctor Who, when can you be? Like, I, I feel like it's kind of earned it by that point. So, um, no, I, I, I really like that one. And I know, you know, we've talked a lot about like sort of certain moments that we remember that kind of overshadow the whole thing. But I do think the regeneration scene kind of is the, is the standout moment, obviously, yeah. from, from, from end of time. And I just, I just remember like going, like, Doctor Who can make you feel sad and it can make you feel happy and excited but I don't think I've ever gone from one emotional state to the other as quickly as with that regeneration where David Tennant leaves I don't you know you go from I don't want to go to Geronimo and, you, and, and David Tennant regenerates and you're like ah oh, it's devastating and then immediately Matt Smith arrives and I just I'm you know I'm immediately in love with the 11th Doctor straight away there was no like for me there was no like adjustment period it was just like, like ah David Tennant's gone I love the new guy brilliant um so yeah very i'm still fond of the end of time it's really like emotional whiplash for all the <laughs> yeah, yeah i remember that was a very exciting time like getting this new doctorate and stuff and i remember being super excited because they ran a trailer i think for matt smith's first series um afterwards or pretty soon afterwards because they'd already filmed quite a lot of it um before david Tennant's final episode aired um, and i remember it was all just really exciting yeah i kind of agree with you like i think it is a bit messy and i feel like you have a kind of you kind of wish that they could have I think maybe featured some different parts. They featured quite odd people from the Doctor's past in some cases. Um, but no, I think it's a really fun episode, a really big episode. And I think as well, like that scene with him and Rose is just so nice. Like, I mean, not sure if it quite makes sense timeline-wise, but um, it is just kind of, I don't know, it's just kind of fun. Um, um, having yeah. Timothy Dalton in an episode makes, or having Timothy Dalton in anything makes it better. So I mean, he's so good. I mean, I'm really <laughs> gutted they couldn't get him back again to be Rassilon in the Peter yeah. Capaldi era. That would have been great. But he's really, really good in this. And John Sim, obviously, as well, as the master. John Sim um, and Bernard Cribbins, the four, the, 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 the four knocks, the heartbreaking four knocks. And David Tennant, I love the speech the Tenth Doctor gives after, once he realises what, what is happening yeah. with the four knocks. And he's sort of raging that he could do so much more. I think, brilliancy. Yeah. Uh, but there had to be an end. There had to be an end to the Tenth Doctor. Just as there has to be an end to this list, because we're back at number one, uh, 13% of the vote went to A Christmas Carol. Now, we sort of talked about this at the beginning. You know, we kind of know, you know, when it came out and everything. But yeah, the basic story is um, the Doctor goes to a sort of alien town where there's an old miser who is so miserable and evil that he's not going to save the lives of people who he could easily save. And the Doctor realises that he's hearing A Christmas Carol and he's like, wait a minute, A Christmas Carol, let's do that. So basically he inserts himself in... Uh, Kazran Sardik, played by Michael Gambon's past, and kind of, you know, changes his life 
and then you know you have Amy Pond as the Ghost of Christmas Present, and then you have Kazran himself as the Ghost of Christmas Future, which is so brilliantly clever. I think that scene is so great. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is a really it's a it's a funny episode, isn't it? It has that kind of weird alienness problem that I think um, I have with Voyage of the Damned, where I sort of when it's sort of human-like people on a planet that isn't quite Earth. I'm a little bit like, I'm kind of not quite sure what the kind of reference points and things are. Um, but I just think this was kind of, again, it was Stephen Moffat's first go at a Christmas special. And I often think yeah. that's, those are the best. You know what I mean? Like they kind of had, get to use their ideas for what a Christmas special of Doctor Who would be. Yeah, you, you use your best ideas first, right? Because of course. Yeah, and I feel like it's very clever. It's very like, you know, we said timey-wimey earlier. We said humanly wimey It is quite timey-wimey in a sort of Stephen Moffat sense. But I think it's very clever, you know, kind of using time travel to try and change somebody. I mean, it kind of slightly makes you question the rules of Doctor Who in general, why he doesn't do that all the time, whenever he meets someone mean. Um, but he has literally all the time in the world. But yeah, I think it's very clever, very festive. There's a flying shark in it. Catherine Jenkins is there. Um, you know, they go to various parties in history. I think there's, there's a lot of fun in it. It's quite, it's quite gentle. Like, it is basically the Doctor trying to persuade someone of something, you know, like, it, but then I think it kind of works because of that. I don't know. I think sometimes it's Doctor Who Christmas specials are walking a balance of incidents and like emotion. I think this one strides mm. it really nicely. I think as well, like it's coming off the back of series five, which so you, it's Stephen Moffat and his team mm. of, of you know Matt Smith, Karen Gillan, Arthur Darvill, them ap- just after series five, kind of the height of their powers mm. because it's that it's that period where Doctor Who could have just gone off a cliff. It's you know we've had we've had the peak. Of, of the end of time and, and the end of the David Tennant, Russell T Davies, Julie Gardner era. It's done. Is Doctor Who done? Um, there were questions around that at the time. And then series five was so good, uh, which we've talked about on this podcast before. I know we're both big fans of that series and sort of defied all expectation and was absolutely brilliant. And then this is like, again, almost like a lap of honour. It's like, well done. Now, now you have a brilliant Christmas special to, to top it all off. So I, again, I feel like I actually think Christmas Carol is a really good episode. You said it's really clever, really fun, really nicely done. But I also think a lot of fondness for that first, um, you know, first burst of energy that came from the Moffat era. A lot of that um, affection is, is uh, directed at Christmas Carol as well. Um, and it's got a great, great guest cast, Michael Gambon, of course. Um, it's also, in my opinion, got the best Doctor Who Christmas song. Mm. I think, I think Abigail's song, just about inches song for 10. Um, <laughs> with, with, with Love Don't Roam sort of somewhere um, underneath. But, yeah, they should do more Doctor Who themed carols. I think that should be a thing. They, they should stop. Because Song for Ten is great. Then and then Love Don't Roam was okay. And then Abigail's song is brilliant. And then they kind of yeah, it was a thing for a bit that every year you'd have an original Doctor Who Christmas song, which is absolutely mad. But I I enjoyed it. Yeah, no, I think I think you're right. I think it's a really good episode and you know a worthy winner. I mean, so if anyone listening is kind of missing the Christmas specials, we've obviously given you a bit of a rundown of all the Doctor Who Christmas specials. And if you're listening to this on Christmas Day, uh, maybe, you know, stick on a Christmas carol and reminisce, you know, or any of the others, maybe even the return of Doctor Mysterio, you know, it did right down at the bottom of the list. Maybe it's been overlooked. I mean, I've got to say, talking about all this does make me slightly nostalgic for the uh, days of the Doctor Who Christmas episodes. Um, I mean, it's only 2017 they stopped, but yeah, I mean, I do kind of hope that they do another one. Like, I'd love to see a Jodie Whittaker one at some point. Well, I, th- I think as well, I think the Doctor Who Christmas specials collectively have a bit of a uh, a bad rap for being, I think people think they're a bit naff and yeah. it's like, oh, here we go again. Like we said, here we go again, exploding baubles and killer Christmas trees, and robot snowmen, here we go. Um, so actually when it was announced that they weren't going to do any more, at least, you know, they're not going to do one 
they weren't going to do one um, a, a few years back. I think people were split as between what, you know, we're not getting any more Doctor Christmas specials. And some people were saying, well, good, because they're, they're always a bit naff anyway. I and think, actually, I don't think just, just to be completely fair, I think I did get a bit of sticklers online. I think I was one of the people who said they're always rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think, I think there's kind of like received wisdom that the Doctor yeah. Christmas specials are always rubbish. And... And I kind of feel like that a bit as well. I'm like, ah, they're they're not they're not the best episodes, but they're again they're fun after a few sherries. They're fun on Christmas Day. They're sort of light and disposable and throwaway, but they're not actually the episodes that are the best. They're not the ones you go back and rewatch. And actually, having done this, I don't think that's true. I think I think, in my opinion, there's only one bad one, which is the Doctor which, the Widow which, in the Wardrobe. Which is the Doctor <laughs> Widow in the Wardrobe. There's a bunch of quite good ones, and yeah. then there's a few brilliant ones. And to be honest, that's kind of how Doctor Who episodes break down anyway, right? I don't mm. think it's Christmas specific. I think there's a few that are act- sort of actively bad. Most of them are pretty good. And then there's like a smaller cluster, of course, which are like fantastic. Um, so, yeah, no, I-, I-, I don't think it's necessarily the worst thing. Like Doctor Who had done a lot of Christmas specials. I don't think it's necessarily the worst thing that they've been um, stopped or at least given a rest. But I agree. I-, I hope one day we'll see a Doctor Who Christmas special again. Uh, but what do you think, our particularly festive listeners? Would you like to see the return of the Doctor Who Christmas special? Uh, do you like the New Year ones? Um, and, you know, would you think we should have more festive specials around the year? You know, maybe more Easter specials and Halloween special. You know, you never know. Why not? Um, one for your birthday, you specifically, the person listening. Um, and also, we should probably ask, what do you think of our ranking? You know, is this fair? Does Doctor Mysterio deserve a higher ranking? Is A Christmas Carol really the worthy winner? Or do you think... You know, twice upon a time deserves to be higher. Whatever you think, please let us know in the comments or on Twitter, Facebook, however you want to get in touch with us. Um, thank you for listening on this particularly festive episode and indeed for listening to us all year. We've been doing these uh, Doctor Who podcasts for a year now uh, and we always really appreciate everyone listening in. We'll be back, hopefully, uh, soon with more previews and reviews of the new festive episode, Revolution of the Daleks, which I'm sure we'll have in a poll like this next year. Um, and we'll be back in the new year with some more general Doctor Who stuff. Uh, until then, I've been Hugh. I've been Morgan. And I'd like to wish Who a Merry Christmas and a Happy Who Year. Oh, I really wanted to try to land that without <laughs> stuttering over it. Okay, thanks for listening again and goodbye. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. It is a truth universally acknowledged that it is always the right time to read, talk, and think about Pride and Prejudice. But why is it this book that we universally acknowledge? Why has Pride and Prejudice lasted for over two centuries as the most famous romance novel of all time? This season of Hot and Bothered, award-winning journalist Lauren Sandler and me, Vanessa Zoltan, are looking closely at Pride and Prejudice, interviewing experts and trying to figure out what this book has taught generations of readers about love. Listen to Hot and Bothered wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs>